This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Elliot, I'm glad Catherine came in. She was fabulous, and she showed Des Clark how to get here. Multi-purpose. She wasn't. She wasn't hard to, to recognize. <laughs> really? I, I was kind of lost, and um, I seen her come out of the hallways, and I was like, "You have to be just coming from the, the show," because I heard that they are interviewing a model. She was like, "Well, I'm not a model. Well, did you just come from the show?" She said, "Yes." So I was like, "You are a model." Because that's, <laughs> okay. that's what they told me. One of Elliot's girls. One of the lovables. You know, we we can't just have uh, star quality athletes on here and expect people to tune in. Have to have a little female. Uh, Attractiveness. Yeah, yeah since, got, uh, since the Bears have no cheerleaders anymore. Yeah. Because I know I'm not providing a attractiveness here. Well, so. <laughs> to some people you might be. I'm not going to, you know, not to me personally, but then again, different strokes for different folks. I hear you. So, Des, what's going on now? What are you doing? Man, I have a lot going on right now. That's um, uh, what I was sitting at home doing today, just putting together some things for 88 Ways. We have a... a Flag football tournament actually coming up Sunday. Um, and then, um, we've been doing a lot of things. Uh, we had a corn maze event just this past week. So it's been mostly all 88 ways and trying to get some things going with a talk radio show. Also, I'm trying to rebrand myself in, in that category also. Cause you had the show for it about a year or two on another station. Yeah. It, it was an online radio show and it was called Sportsman Like Conduct, but this time I'm rebranded as, uh, just the Des Clark show. So I'm working on that and, and trying to get 88 ways ready to go for January when we, um, get into the two schools that we're going into. Okay. So who would be on the Des Clark show? Do you think? Uh, any and everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you guys are, uh, uh, come by and make a guest appearance for me, uh, especially if I need a co-host. Gladly. Uh, one of you two guys come in and jump in for me. Because you did the show before with uh, your brother, right? I did it with my brother and my stepfather, and that, that was fun to do because it was just like sitting at home and talking about sports like we do all the time. So it, it was kind of it was very natural to do it with those two guys. But this time, you know, I'm trying to take it uh, bigger and better, and and so I'm gonna have to drop those two guys off and thank them for giving me to where I got, and then um, uh, making them listeners again. I know a good studio that has video cameras and <laughs> yeah. audio. Well, you know, you know. Um, I'm looking for a home. I'll be looking for a home once I get everything ready to go. So um, I'm sure I'll be David's back David's trying to get a commission here from Talk Zone somehow. From I Chris Whitting, right. I mean, your other show is great, but I mean, the quality here is studio quality. It's absolutely incredible. Now oh, we yeah. got video cameras. Streaming live here. Yeah. Streaming live. Like Podcast, all the comforts of home. Oh, yeah. I like it. I like it. And it's easy to get to for you. Uh, you're living in Chicago still, right? I, I live in, in Vernon Hills, so it's a 30-minute oh, is... yeah, drive to get here, so it wasn't bad. Not bad at all. So... Most of us dream of being athletes. Do athletes dream of going into broadcasting? Uh, some do. Some hate it. Some hate what, uh, I, I guess I gotta say what we do. Um, because, uh, you know, we have a job to do and we have to give an opinion and they don't like those opinions. So they grow a dislike for, uh, the things that, that we do in, in the booth. But, um, you know, some guys like me, uh, that like to talk about the sports, and have an opinion and want people to hear it. I guess um, it, it's a thing that that could be very rewarding. And I mean, it, when you when you think about a career after being an athlete, I mean, this is one of the natural things to tra- transition into if you you're a good speaker and like I say, have some thoughts and have some opinions. Yeah. Now you see some athletes who who look like they're still playing, but they're already in that post playing mode, trying to 
get themselves positioned to to get into that broadcasting world. Oh, oh yeah, that's why you see me on the sports talk stations and um, forging those good relationships with uh, people in the media. So I would be able to transition and and have some type of experience under my belt working with the um, the radio stations in, in the past. And even now I'm working with ESPN 1000 doing the post-game shows for uh, for those guys after the Bears games. How did the Bears take you? did some stuff with the score last year. Were they happy that you were making comments about the team on the air? Or did they want you to kind of shut up? Well, when you're a player, you have to kind of walk a tight a tightrope. And, you know, you, you, you want to give a, a good, honest opinion. But then again, you have to be respectful to the people that's cutting your check. Um, and it, it wasn't hard to do because most, most of the times the people that's ask, asking you the questions, they understand that. And I'm good at answering a question without actually saying anything. So I, I developed that art over, over the time. And it, it, it's not, it's not a hard thing to do. Just giving your honest, the best thing you could do as a player is just talk about yourself. And if you talk about yourself, then you're okay. And everything else with the team, you paint it in a positive type, in a positive way, and you'll be okay. If you're going to say anything negative to any, anybody about anything, it has to be about yourself. Now, how does an athlete know when his career is over? Is it when his body says so or when his mind says so? Or is it when the general manager says so? Uh, well, in my case, <laughs> it was when the general manager said so. Um, but I... Right now, I'm not saying that my career is over because my body is still telling me I could play. I feel good to be 34 and to be um, as healthy as I am and wake up every morning feeling like I feel. I used to joke with the guys all the time last year and in training camp this year, young guys. It's like, you know, they're 26, 27 years old, and I guarantee you uh, I felt better than most of them. And and I told them it, when they hit 32, 33, they they are going to wish and pray that they feel like me. So I feel good. As long as I keep feeling good, you know, I keep pushing to um, try to get back on the field. But to answer your question, for me, it was, it was when the general manager said, uh, uh, we, we love you, but you can't play for us anymore. So if somebody came to you and said, hey, it's week 10 of the season, mm-hmm. or 11 or whatever it is, you're up for it? I'm up for it. You were a quarterback in high school. Maybe your former coach at Wake Forest could use you in Indy, Caldwell. You know what? Not at quarterback. I can tell you that much. Yeah, those days are long and gone. I'm 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 done with those days. But you know, if if anybody comes right now and and says, you know, look, we we want you on the team. I, I for me personally, I don't want to go out regretting anything, and I don't want to go out saying, okay, I left out maybe a year or two too early. Um, like you say, for me, I want my body to tell me that I'm done, instead of instead of somebody else saying, you know. You're you're done, and, and for the Bears, it wasn't necessarily athletic. Athletically, you're done. It was just that you're done with with us for you know these other reasons that not necessarily has to do with all the on field issues. Which I, I think I think a lot of people don't understand that part of it because that's when the business part comes in. It's like you're costing us x amount of dollars and and we can replace you with a guy for a third of the price and things like that exactly and then you know wanting to get new fresh blood and there to start developing new talent um you know they know what i could do and they know what i could bring to the table and maybe they felt like it was time to um go a different direction to you know they they have to look towards the future and my future was very limited and very short so I think um, they they opted to go with the younger guys. Well, especially in this Mike Martz offense with Jay Cutler at quarterback, 
if you were a tight end and you weren't Greg Olson, you, it, it seemed like you didn't see the ball. Well, I think it's this offense in general because if you look at the tight ends this year, they're not seeing the ball a lot. I think um, Greg Olson had a unique type skill set where if you didn't use him as a receiver, I think he was kind of stupid not to do so. But um, yeah, but you see where it got him. It got him into Carolina. Yeah, I was gonna say, it got him all the way down to the Panthers, where he's having a pretty good season. Yes, he I is. Don't, I don't get what they're doing. Because last year, Martz was trying to pass the ball 75, 65, 75 percent of the time. You guys had no success. They went 50-50 run pass. You guys start winning again this year. He tried to do the same stuff. Mm-hmm. They lost two in a row, and now it's 50-50 again. Do you think Martz has control of what the offense is doing, or is Lovey stepping in and saying, "No, you're well, going to run the ball more." Mike Morris is the offense coordinator. He's the guy that's um pulling all the strings on that offense. Lovey, uh, you know, I, I was there seven years with Lovey, and Lovey always let his offense coordinator, you know, run the offense. And I think when it comes to a point where he sees something not going particularly well and the offense coordinator may not be paying attention to it as closely as he would like, he's going to step in. And I think that's what happened last year um, after – you know, the first seven games, we were throwing the ball 65% of the time, and it was a, a effort made to go in and say, okay, now we got to run the ball. And I can't say for sure that that come from Levy, but if I had to put my money on it, I, I'm going to say it came from, it came from Levy, say, because, you know, his mantra is we get off the bus running. And, and I think he probably went in and say, look, coach, we get off the bus, we get off the bus running. It's time for us to get off the bus running. Are the, are the Bears, Gonna get Matt Forte killed with him handling the ball as, you know, he's either running the ball or being a pass receiver and he's accounting for, uh, an inordinate amount of that offensive yardage. I mean, at yeah. some point he's gonna get whomped. Well, the thing about Matt Forte is that he's built to do exactly what he's doing. He's a guy that's, you know, he could play receiver if he wanted to, but he has the skills to play running back. And when you look at um, guys in this offense in the past, the greatest to ever do it was Marshall Falk. And he touched the ball a lot, running the ball and receiving. So, you know, if you look at that, nah, Matt Forte is right where he's supposed to be, um, getting the ball on just about a third of every play or more and account for over half of the offense. So I think um, it just it just speaks well for Matt Forte and what type of player he is that he could carry that much of the, of the load and come in and do it game in and game out. And it seems like he, he, you know, never loses a step and never, you know, backs, backs down from that challenge. Yeah. Surprised that he didn't take the Bears contract offer? No, I'm not. Um, but I'm not surprised that the Bears are not stepping up and giving him, you know, 20, 30 million dollars guaranteed money. Because when you look at it from Matt Forte's side over his first three years from, from uh, yards from scrimmage, I think he was third in the league out of all running backs. What did they offer him? Twelve, thirteen million guaranteed? I have, I have no clue. I, I don't know. That's that's been rumored that right, he's been. Right, that's the story going around. But the thing is, they could franchise him, pay him what eight million next year, franchise the following year, then he'll be twenty eight years old, and that's the end of a running back usually. Well, usually, um, but he may be betting on himself that you know he he's going to be able to you know play a good ten eleven years at a high level in this league and. What athlete don't think that about themselves? But from his standpoint, you know, he wants to get paid with the top leagues in the back because that's how he produced. From the Bears standpoint, you know, they want to get him as cheap as possible, which, you know, most organizations 
they they want to get a deal that's going to be favorable to 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 the organization right. before the player. And I'm sure the Bears say to themselves, "Hey, if we don't have Matt Forte at running back, we'll we'll plug somebody else in. This becomes sort of interchangeable parts." Mm, no, see, I think if that's the thinking of the Chicago Bears, and they're thinking the wrong way. Um, I don't think Matt Forte gets the credit that he deserves for being the great, not just a good running back, but the great running back that he is. Um, two years ago, he went out and played on a bad knee, didn't complain. He just went and pushed right through everything and almost rushed for a thousand yards. Two out of three years, he had over a thousand yards. And this year, I mean, if he's not one of the top five backs in the leagues, in the, in the league, then I don't know what they, whoever wouldn't put him in the top five, I don't know what they evaluating a running back on. Yeah. Plus, he's running behind that line for the last three <laughs> right. years, and there's not much there. Well, yeah, and, and that's that's even something that goes to show how, how great he is because our offensive line, you know, they've been good and they, they've had their sports, but I don't think anybody will say this has been one of the better offensive lines in the league. So with a running back putting up those type of numbers between a, a – um, a, Offense behind the offensive line that's not considered one of the best in the league, and he's putting up some of the best numbers in the league year in and year out. You know, you have to tip your hat to him. Yeah, but the Bears are not going to pay Matt Forte for past performance. They're going to pay him for what they project him to be able to do in the future. Well, and it's like the tread on those tires is getting worn a little thin at some point. Okay, so you pay him for present performance. Okay, they paid more whatever last year that guy for what? Well, and, and that's the kind of things that you look at. You know, they brought Chester Taylor in. They pay him, you know, more money than anybody else was willing to pay him. Um, they brought um, Manu Malunyuna in after you know having. Three pretty decent tight ends here. Three starting tight ends. You know, when you talk about me, Greg Olson, and now Kellen Davis, who will start, who's a starting yeah, but, tight end. But he, he he was a Marts guy, right? Well, but still, um, you can't tell me that Matt Forte is not a Marts guy. He he's the he's the whole Marts offense right, right now. So um, he's definitely a Marts guy. So you know, you pay guys like that that come in from different different teams. Why not pay your own guy that that's been here? He's homegrown and and you and you know what kind of player you're getting, you, you know. Um, and not to speak badly on a on Brandon Manu Malayuna, but you know the guy he he couldn't stay in shape, so and you ended up paying him all that money, and then you ended up cutting him next year. Then you brought in the Chester Taylor, who, you know, obviously didn't fit what they wanted. They didn't know him that well, so that's probably a mistake that they made. You had to get rid of him also. But you have somebody here that's been with you the whole time, and you know exactly who he is and what he's about. Why not pay that guy? What do you think about Lance Briggs here saying he wants his contract extended? He's got three years left. I mean, don't you live with the contract? Or well, the $19 million sitting do, there that they haven't spent, and he figures, I want a piece of that pie. And, and the answer to that is, do the, um, do the organization live with the contracts when, when it's the player that's not performing well? Oh, I mean, that's the beauty of the NFL. <laughs> you sign these big contracts, it sounds like a lot of money, except, okay, you only get that one year, mm-hmm. and then if they want to... See you, buy, and they're not on the hook for that money. Not for not for a single penny. Right. It, it goes against the cap and things like that. But the player, it's the not going. In, not going in your right. pocket. So, um, you know, do I do I fault um, Lance for trying to get more money because he's performed at a high level? No. Now, will I expect him to get it? No, because <laughs> that's that's just not the way it works. You know, they have all the leverage, and he really can't do anything about it because he has three more years to play. 
Um, do I understand why the fans may look at Lance's situation and be like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. But, um, as an athlete on, on Lance's side, I see, I see what he's trying to do. You have to get what you can get right now because if his performance goes down, he gets cut. Now that's a strike against him. Chicago Bears didn't want him. So why would we pay him as much as, you know, they were paying him? And he still may be, you know, a, a pretty good, decent player, but it just didn't fit the Chicago Bears right. scheme anymore. So you have to try to maximize what, maximize, um, your prof, profitability as much as you can while you can. What about with Jay Cutler here? A lot of people are saying that this Mart system does not fit him as a quarterback, that he needs to roll out like he did in Denver. I mean, you played under Shanahan. That's when he was at his best. Yeah, you know, and he, he is a guy that's a very athletic quarterback which I believe that he, he doesn't get enough credit for being an athletic quarterback. Uh, a couple of years ago, he was one of the highest-rated um, quarterbacks as far as rushing yards um, in the league. So, yeah, why not use that? Why not use every uh, effective weapon that he has to the advantage of the offense? Um, why we didn't, why we haven't used him as much like that, I don't know. You have to get into the brain of Mike, uh, Mike Martin. That's a hard thing to do. And I, I don't know if you want <laughs> to go there. scary place to yeah, be sometimes. I don't know if you want to go there, so... Um, you know, be careful what you wish for, but, uh, you, you think that for each and every player, you, you use all the best qualities that they have as a football player, and that's one that has been underutilized for Jay Cutler. The Devin Hester experiment as a receiver, as somebody who's on the field at the same time as him, how, how did you view that and how do you still view that? Well, you know, I, I wish people quit calling it like an experiment <laughs> or they're trying to make him a receiver. He is, a wide receiver. He's just not a number one wide receiver. Okay, and that's fair. That's fair to say. But to call to keep calling him an experiment and to keep saying that they're trying to do this, no, he he's a legitimate wide receiver. Look at his numbers compared to other wide receiver numbers in the in the years that he's been a receiver, and they're comparable to a lot of a lot of guys who you look at as legitimate receivers. I think what what happens is everybody sees him as the Windy City Flyer returning kicks and expect for him to do the same thing as a receiver. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. He he is not as good of a receiver as he is a kickoff or a punt returner. He's a good quality receiver that I think the Bears might have put the cart before the, the horse by calling him a number one receiver. If the Bears had a legitimate number one and or number two receiver and all of a sudden – Devin's your second or third option. You think he becomes a much more effective receiver? Right. I, I believe he's effective now. Um, but with, with a, I think with a guy that could come in and be, you know, a 80, 90 catch receiver, I think he would be able to complement any guy well. Now saying that, I think he fits into, in, into the, um, what I like to call receiver by committee because all of these guys, even last year, the year before that, these guys were all comparable with their numbers. You know, it wasn't a guy that stood out head, um, above everybody else and took over that number one role, and it worked for us. It worked for us last year, and it could work for these guys this year. How many number one receivers are there really out there today? It's not very many. It's, it's more teams that's doing it by committee than doing it by having that one great receiver and the guy who's complimenting him. A lot of times you see that one great receiver, and then there's no one else. Who's the best receiver in the Bears right now? Um, if you ask me, um, 
it would either have to be Devin Hester or Johnny Knox, one of the two. I think um, for for me it was hard to see Johnny Knox have to take a back seat when um, when Roy came in because I think Johnny Knox had a great season last year for where he was in his career. And to get demoted without even having a chance to challenge for his position, I think that, you know, that could have been a mistake by the Bears, but it seems like he's bouncing back pretty good. Cause you can, you can, can you can destroy somebody's confidence easy like that. Yeah. And, and it's a credit to him that he didn't let it destroy his confidence and he's still out there uh, playing well right now. But I, I think it, it has to be out of one of those two guys who's the best receiver on the, on the Bears right now. And the only reason I say one of those two guys, because who I thought was the best receiver last year was Earl Bennett. But he hasn't been on the field right. this year. He should be back on the field, I think, uh, for the Eagles game. He got hit hard. That hit this year. He did. He did. And when he went down, I was like, ooh, man. I Yeah. You could see careers ending with yeah. stuff like that. I, I've been hit like that before, yeah. not not seeing the guy coming. Who was the hardest hit you ever hit? took? Um, I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, Adrian Wilson. I caught like a five-yard out, and I turned up the field, and he kind of caught me like head on head. And, and jam my neck up, and I, I missed a few few games after that. So it, it was um, it wasn't one of those hits that on TV look hard because I got up and I kept playing and everything. But you know when he hit me, I, I felt it, and and it had some residual effects uh, over the next probably over the next year. Yeah. Now, if Roy Williams can turn out to be the Roy Williams of a few seasons ago, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the Bears' receiving core looks a lot better. Right. It, it it will. But what I say to that is you get what you get from any guy presently. Right. And, you know, as, as, a, as a sports world, we always look for, okay, an athlete at his greatest and want him to continue to be that. And I don't think he's there anymore. Um, I don't think that the Chicago Bears are really not right now is expecting him to be there. Um, anymore. So if we get a Roy Williams that's, you know, three fourths of what he was when he was in Detroit and catch 60 passes instead of 80 passes, I mean, you have a, a pretty good Roy, Roy Williams here because he's a, he's a big target. He's a, a pretty good receiver. So if he could put up, you know, 75% of the numbers that he put up when he was in Detroit, I think everybody will be happy. Yeah. I, I don't understand the Bears drafting because you look at wide receivers around the league and, Lots of good, tall, wide receivers, and it's like the Bears had a height maximum as to who they would go at wide receiver. They were casting the Smurfs. Yeah, I mean they just yeah. got, got a bunch of really short guys. Well, and you know they didn't um, draft too many receivers high in the draft. Right. And, you know, you look at uh, Earl Bennett, who's six feet tall. Um, you look at Devin Hester, who they didn't draft as a receiver. Um, and then you have Johnny Knox, who's Five eleven, making stretch to six feet. I don't know yeah. what to have him listed at on his tiptoes. But um, David Terrell was a guy, you know, who they drafted high. He was pretty good, pretty big receiver. But you guys um, had Brandon Lloyd and cut him. Well, you look at what he did for us that year. I mean, he wasn't very right. good for us. He he had um, two or three good games in the first five games that he played, but then he missed like seven games. Right. And then when he came back, he really didn't do anything. So, you know, you can't fault the organization for that. He was on a one-year contract, uh, a two-year contract, but then when a guy doesn't perform, you know, how do you know, you know, what's going to come once he get to the next team? I mean, 
the year before in Washington, they let him go because he didn't perform. So, and it was good. You could see a guy like Brandon Lord, his talent on the field. You could see it. It, it was visible. He was a head case, though, I heard. No, I don't think he was a head case. Um, I think he was a very eccentric guy. He was a little different, but he didn't cause, he didn't cause any trouble. He didn't, he didn't make any waves in the locker room. Not like uh, Chris Harris with tweeting and if you don't perform and tweet, you're out of the Bears, it seems like. Well, it, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's anybody. You, you have to, you have right. to perform and, and you can't fault the Bears for that because, um, it's a performance based industry. You perform or you, you go find another place to try to perform. Yeah. Now, you had trouble getting on the field because of injury. What's the pressure like to get back on the field knowing that you're not 90% or 80% and being able to do what you well, think you can do? Me, I say I had trouble getting on the field because of injury. I never had trouble getting on the field because of injury because my motto was that I was never injured. <laughs> no, I'm serious. As I matured in this league, I learned how to play with pain. I learned how to play, you know, with some injuries also. Uh, the first game of the year – in 2009, I think I broke my back and I broke a couple uh, a couple bones in my back and I broke a rib and um, had a bruised kidney. And I was back on the field in three weeks. And I was upset with the doctors because they didn't let me come back earlier. And, you know, I just felt like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have some pain, but, you you know, you deal with it. And the reason why you do that is because you have a guy like a, a young Greg Olson that's playing pretty good and you know that, each week that you're not on the field, somebody else is out there making their career. That's how I got on the field because somebody slipped up because they couldn't keep their weight down. So you don't want to you don't want to ever give up your position because you were not on the field. If somebody beats you out, fine. You know you tip your hat to them and say good job, and you keep helping them do whatever they got to do to make the team better and um, hopefully help make you better through the competition. But to not be on the field and lose a job, that's a hard thing to take. Thank you very much for your time, Des. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yes, sir. And hopefully we'll see your show up soon. Uh, the I, Des I, McClark Show, is that what you're going to call it? Des Clark Show. Yes, sir. I, I, I was told to brand my own name instead of Sportsmanlike Conduct, so I'm going to Des Clark Show. And I think in a, a couple months uh, or before, I think I'll be somewhere in somebody's studio doing exactly what you guys are doing. Could be this one. Yes, sir. Looking. They made you a star. Hey, only because I'm alongside you. No, I'm just an attorney trying to make money. <laughs> thanks again. I want to thank Des yes, Clark sir. for coming in studio, Catherine Rook, the lovable, and thanks for some sports and torts. I want to thank our sound man, Dave Olson. I'm David Sue with Elliot Harris, and tune again next week. Thanks.